Welcome to RX City. You're listening to your favorite host, Rocket Rasul, and joining me, as always, from Toronto, Canada, to talk about Iron Maiden, Seventh Son of a Seventh Son, the legendary K9. Imran, how's it going? Good, man. Thank you. Uh, thank you for the beautiful introduction. Um, it's been a while. It's been re- uh, it's been a while since we did a uh, podcast. Yeah. So apologies to our audience, but we are back. Uh, we both had uh, you know issues going on. Um, I was moving, and then your work and my work. So now things have calmed down a little bit. So now we're back into our flow. Absolutely. Back in the swing of things. Happy New Year 2020. Let's do it. Yeah, let's do it, man. Um, So you know what? Before we do jump into it, uh, I'm curious to hear what have you been listening to? Uh, yeah, for me, uh, I think we talked about this a little bit, is uh, mainly grime. Um, okay. So a lot of Wiley, Stormzy, mm-hmm. and the whole scene, really. Uh, Lethal Bizzle. Um, and all those guys, and really uh, Dizzy Rascal, of course, forgot. Right. Uh, and UK hip hop too. So I've been trying to dig deep into that, um, largely because of Stormzy and Wally's um, diss tracks towards each other, like yeah. only the past <laughs> two or three months. Yeah. Been really, really fun and entertaining. So it's kind of sparked my interest back into that. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, um, it, it's, so, what's the third artist you mentioned? Uh, Lethal Bizzle. Okay, uh, I haven't heard anything about him. Can you uh, can you like, just give us a synopsis of what he does, what his style is, and production, and all that kind of fun stuff? Uh, I don't know much about him either in terms of history and stuff. He's just someone that I came across as a suggestion on Spotify. Okay. And, um, you know, he's a grime artist. He's, he's very much in the vein of um, uh, Skepta or, um, mm-hmm. you know, those guys, uh, that kind of style. Okay. Um, he's been around for a while, right? Um, and yeah, the Skepter is actually another one I've been checking out as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's really just looking through the history of all those guys uh, and a little bit of Soul Solid Crew too, which was predates the grind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That that's a, that's an interesting. How did you? Uh, uh, how did you? Th- what did you think of Soul Solid Crew? Uh, yeah, I mean, I knew of them when uh, when they first came out. Like that song Twenty One Seconds to Go" was pretty popular, mm-hmm. as you can imagine, in the UK. So uh, I had that song on my, you know, mixes and stuff like that. Um, so I was quite aware of them and the members when they went solo and their TV appearances and stuff. So they're pretty big in the UK at that time. So um, they kind of started rapping over Garage, uh, which kind of led to Grime mm-hmm. because that's what the MCs were doing first was basically hosting, right? So you'd have a Garage beat and they would just say a few lines. Right. Uh, and But not a full rap. So they kind of almost started that rapping over garage and then that right. evolved into grime, which Wiley came up with. Hmm. And uh, uh, so, uh, so you've gone, you've gone pretty deep into this. So uh, into the whole UK grime, like you went from history to like right now to, uh, you know, um, uh, to, I would say like the current status. And I, I don't want to, and I don't want to talk too much about it because I think it's a, it's a subject matter that I think we should cover in another episode, but just a real quick, uh, as, uh, you know, uh, would who would you pick as your top three MCs as of right now? I th- I'm sure like it might, it may or may not change. Mm, that's difficult. Uh, Wiley definitely is my right. favorite. Not just because he's uh, he started it, but mm-hmm. just the way he rap, raps. Uh, um, uh, 
Dizzy Rascal. Mm-hmm. And uh, third, I would go for, hmm, probably Skepta, I guess. Okay. Okay. This is pretty fair, because that's pretty much more or less like who are the most popular grime artists in uh, in the UK, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, Getz is quite popular. Getz, okay. Jamie, uh, who's Skepta's brother. So mm-hmm. they're the BBQ crew, which Wiley was also part of. And then he had his crew called Roll Deep, okay. which had Dizzy Rascal in it and um, Skepta in it. So he's, you know, that's why they call him the godfather of grime. But um, yeah, the, the history is quite intertwined. They're all kind of like from the same area, mm-hmm. East London. And yeah. uh, you know, most of them know each other in some form or fashion, including Dizzy Rascal, who was uh, Wiley's protege. Right. And, uh, you know, again, it's hard for me not to ask you more about this because no, no, no. I, no, no, because I want to save it for a latter episode because I think there's so much more that you that, you know, your ideas can bring into it. And I'm and I'm I'm like, well, maybe I should save that for la- later on. And I uh, but I guess this yeah. is, so I'll just do it at this one question because it seems to be really pressing to me. And then, you know, I think we'll, <laughs> we'll save the rest for later. Uh, did you notice that in UK grime, there's more of an emphasis on keeping it real as opposed to, say, contemporary hip hop in the United States? Yeah, I think so. I think the reason for that is, one, it's very new, right? So this mm-hmm. started around 2001, like pretty much when I was in college, right? So, right. you know, we call Walt Wiley and Dizzy Rascal are, you know, they're 40 or under. Mm-hmm. They're not that old, <laughs> right? Right. So... Um, one thing is they hasn't had the chance to go through 30, 40 years of, uh, evolving. But, um, I mean, they, I think that's one of the reasons Wiley's kind of angry at Stormzy or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, because he's becoming more commercialized. Right. Um, right. and, uh, yeah, it's a very much, um, keep it real, you know, UK, um, you know, make your own beats, you know, kind of like. Really, like, kind of like the early uh, New York hip hop, you know, that kind mm-hmm. of thing, right? You know, um, there's a certain pride, um, because it comes from the UK and keeping it mm-hmm. like that, right? Yeah, that's um, uh, and like you, I've been listening to a lot of UK grime, mostly Skepta and um, and Stormzy. Um, I'm just gonna mention this, I am going to go see Stormzy live, he's coming oh, to no Toronto, way. yeah, yeah, he's coming to Toronto, yeah. so yeah, I'm going to go see him live. Um, and le- and later on, uh, we'll talk about that, how the uh, live concert was. Um, I did purchase uh, a few tickets uh, to upcoming concerts. Uh, so um, uh, the next, the first one I'm going to is Refused, which is a hardcore band um, I used to listen to in uh, university. And they were, you know, more uh, leftist political kind of uh, band. Um, I don't believe in that ideology all that much, but it was, you know, just for memory's sake and it was fun and the tickets were cheap. So that's why, (laughs) yeah. So that's why I'm going to go see them. Um, uh, along with, uh, this summer, my brother's coming down and we're going to go see rage against the machine. Oh, awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Run the jewels are opening for them. So that'll be, uh, Oh, oh, double, yeah. yeah, Double, double impact, man. Double impact. So (laughs) very excited. Like Van Damme. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, nice one. Nice one. Nice one. That's uh, staying true to your brother's uh, nickname, Deep Cut. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, that yeah. nice one. So, um, so yeah. So, I've been listening to that. Um, I have not listened to this much hip hop since I was in, um, probably since I was in, uh, uh, I want to say high school. Mm. Yeah. And 
Yeah, I think uh, me too. Like not high school, but like I would say college. The last right. say year or two has just been a lot of hip hop. Yeah, a lot of hip hop. Um, I think some of the um, the UK grime, uh, you know, amazing, amazing group of uh, rappers out there. And, um, you know, uh, we keep talking about like, oh, rap is weak, rap is weak. But, you know, I think we talked about it before. Uh, you know, J. Cole is on top of his game, man. He's a great rapper. You know, um, yeah, uh, Nips, Kendrick, yeah, Kendrick, Nipsey, who unfortunately passed away, um, even yeah. Drake, Drake right? yes, yeah, Drake. So all these, yeah, these guys are great, man. These guys are great. Like if you, uh, I think uh, people should, you know, these old hip hop heads that don't like these guys, keep an open mind, you know, just keep an open mind and just enjoy it. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Like for me, Kendrick and J Cole, I was. Yeah, they're kind of great, and Drake. Mm -hmm. um, but the rest are—I'm uh, still investigating. I'm still looking into. Mm -hmm. um, but they, yeah, there are some good guys. Like Big Crate is pretty good. You yeah, know? Um, Fred Gibbs is quite good. Yeah, uh, he's been around for a while. But you know, uh, Tyler the Creator and uh, mm -hmm. all these guys are. Yeah, yeah. When you do keep an hip mind, you do um, kind of uncover a lot of stuff that you thought you probably wouldn't have liked, and you end up really liking. Right, it. right. So yeah, that's that's absolutely true. And speaking of keeping an open mind, yes, <laughs> let's go to Iron Maiden. Yeah, so um, we are covering uh, Seven Son of a Seven Son, mm -hmm. which is uh, probably their most uh, popular '80s album. You know, well respected, critically acclaimed, etc., mm -hmm. etc. Et um, and uh, you know, it's. Uh, it's kind of like the classic lineup with Bruce Dickinson, Dave Murray, Adrian Smith, right. Steve Harris, and uh, Nico McBrien. Mm -hmm. um, which, are, interestingly, Steve Harris is from Leighton, which is five minutes away from me, actually. I was just there like 20 minutes ago. Actually. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, there's like this famous pub near Stratford called Carton Houses, mm -hmm. where they had their first, where they formed, basically. Okay. So, kind of signed their home of Art Maiden and stuff like that. So, that's pretty cool. Wow. Um, that being said, I think you were aware of Maiden for quite a long time, but haven't only recently um, gotten into listen, actually checking it out. Yeah, uh, start, starting with this album. So, um, yeah, we're gonna go track by track. But like, uh, just any general thoughts of Iron Maiden and how your opinion has changed? Okay. Or... So um, let's start with, <laughs> with Iron Maiden. I did come from a place to of mocking, right? And yes. um. And let me be clear, when I was mocking them, I wasn't mocking them for being a bad band or not good musicians or anything like that. I was mocking them for a band that took themselves very seriously. Now, say, say, that's what I said, right? This band parallels Radiohead so much that it's, it's not even funny. And Really? And I'll, and I'll explain. And I'll explain, right? Yeah. So, yeah. So when when and I know you have made jokes about Radiohead, and sometimes I take them to heart. <laughs> and I think I'm sorry. No, 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 no. Yeah, I mean, and it's not just you. It's anybody's like ah, Radiohead sucks. I'm like, well, obviously you don't know anything about music. So, <laughs> so it's um it's coming from that vein, right? So here's a here's the most interesting thing I can say about Maiden, right? Maiden doesn't do fan service. What Maiden does is they're a fan of their own music. 
right? And what I mean by fan service is a band like ACDC, right? And I, I again, I'm not trying to diss ACDC and more power to them. They make the same album all the time. And be- they do that because A, they're familiar with the territory. B, they know this is what their audience wants. Mm. And C, they give it to the audience. Right? As opposed to Maiden, Maiden doesn't do that. They play by their own rules. They're fiercely independent. Yep. Um, they don't follow trends. They don't, um, you know, uh, say, okay, this is the popular radio market. We should follow that. No, no, no. They make their own rules. They play by their own rules. And what I... and. What they do is they, they they challenge the listener, right? They they take this path that either you're going to be a fan of Maiden or you're going to drop out. Mm. Meaning that this is the journey of the band. This is where we're going. This is the stuff we're going to write. Either you like it or you don't. They kind of keep it within the constraints that, yeah, this is what a Maiden fan wants to hear. But at the same time, it's uh, uh, it's uh, what we want to do as well. So it's a very very delicate balance that they've able they've been able to maintain, and at the same time being sonically challenging to their fans. Hmm. So uh, and you know I mean this is why I mock them because I'm like this is a very serious band, and their audience are very serious audience. Yeah yeah. But, yeah, nobody's a passive Maiden fan. Either you're all in or you're all no. out. Exactly, exactly. Yes. So I think the the ridiculousness of this and how and because they're successful at being this at you know this level of ridiculousness and also seriousness, that that's that boggles the mind. Hmm. Right? It's and that's the parallel between Radiohead and Maiden. <clears throat> you know, um, obviously Radiohead obviously made more commercial songs and then the latter part, like, let's just, for example, say King of Limbs, right? Anybody that listens to King of Limbs, that's the most pretentious, god-awful st- sound I've ever heard, right? Anybody could say that about them. You listen to Iron Maiden's Power Slave and somebody's like, this is just metal um, uh, indulgence. That's all this is. It sounds like a totally indulgent album, but and but that's the. I would say that's a very fair criticism for both bands, right? But at the same time, the fans of both of these bands love this stuff. Yeah, yeah. I suppose so. I think Radiohead. First, I just want to clarify. I do like Radiohead quite a lot. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I've changed, changed my mind about the latter albums, mm-hmm. but um, I felt Radiohead was a bit more uh se- there was more separation between their early and later stuff mm-hmm. whereas maiden have kind of sounded the same um i know they had a few concept albums and there's one album that's purely about war mm-hmm. but you know i think uh, steve harris said that he just wants to make the same type of music and then like you said the fans can either like it or not you know yeah but um you know the the galloping uh, galloping guitar rhythms and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And uh, but I agree, it's more a little more complicated than that. Yeah. Um, you know they they are changing and experimenting a little bit mm-hmm. within that space. But um, but yeah, that's uh, that's a good yeah good kind of summary of uh, what your thoughts were. Yeah. 
find that quite interesting yeah. that you saw it that way. So yeah, it's not so again, they it's not because they were a terrible band. It's mostly because how serious they were. They really care about their craft. Yeah. Yeah, that's for sure. And that kind of seriousness, it's 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 laughable. But at the same time, it's also uh, admiration. Yeah. So yeah, it's um and you know I, I had a good time. I had a really good time. So uh, you know as we dive deep into each uh, each song, uh, we'll discuss it more. Um, uh, so uh, I want to ask you, how did you get into Maiden? Because you're the fan. Uh, yeah, I kind of had three stages. So the first stage was actually Power Slave. A guy in my compound, Kareem Fatim, mm-hmm. lent me his Power Slave, and I found it very scary because I was ten years old. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, you know, monsters and all these guys. I was like, oh my god, this is too scary, you know. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I kind of, um, I didn't really take it in. Um, and then I came across it again at school. Um, you know, one of my friends. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when I went to his house, he, he was playing an Iron Maiden song, and I got into it through him. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, the song was Tail Gunner from No Prayer for the Dying. And, um, and then the third uh, stage was also my brother being into it mm-hmm. and kind of uh, opened the door a little bit. So I kind of played with them then, right. but just a few songs here and there. But it was really when I got to my 20s, between 20 and 30, I think, where I really listened to Maiden mm-hmm. and actually went to see them live. That kind of yeah. uh, made me a bigger fan as well. They were amazing live. Yeah. To, to, uh, and so did they, like... When you listen, and I did get to see some concert footage, right? While I was doing the research, yeah. they are phenomenal. They are pitch perfect; like they do not make mistakes live. Wow! Like, it was, was uh, it was incredible. Like you could see, like they were um, there was a band called Trivium that opened up for them, mm-hmm. and um, you know, when they came on, it was like another league. Like mm. no mistake. Um, they played the whole album, which is a matter of life and death, which was out at the time. Mm-hmm. Then they played, you know, a few classic songs afterwards. But it was like very like high energy, um, and they were like in their early fifties at that time. Right. But it was just picture perfect, like no notes missed on the guitar. Uh, Bruce Dickinson's voice was just spot on, mm-hmm. and it, yeah, it was just very loud. <laughs> yeah, I would imagine so. Um, beyond that. Um... Well, uh, so uh, did you have like, uh, like, oh, this is my favorite album from the 80s, favorite album from the 90s? Yeah, I do actually. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, yeah, so num- Number of the Beast is the one that really, that's my favorite album okay. of all time from Iron Maiden, which was their first album with uh, Bruce Dickinson. Okay, yeah, yes, yes, yes. And uh, it's pretty much the same lineup except for the drummer with, with the album we're covering today. So mm-hmm. um, if the drummer changed. So, yeah, you know, Hallowed, by, Hallowed Be the be thy name is i think my favorite metal song ever right and number of the beast is amazing um and then you know just his 80s album like somewhere in time piece of, um 777 sun mm-hmm. and even the 90s albums and even the 2000s albums yeah you know, uh, brave new world and um matter of life and death mm-hmm. uh right up to book of souls which is the last album 2015 yeah. which was still number one in the uk so yeah you know, it's a long long history yeah yeah it, Two things to point out about these guys is um, number one, this is a band that got no radio play. Everything was done through word of mouth. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Right, um, which is reminiscent of the punk rock scene, 
And they, they themselves say, like, listen, we were starting at that time at, with punk rock, right? And we were, you know, we were doing the same, you know, at the same kind of stage. So they have that kind of ethos, right? Like we're, um, hey, we we don't care about radio play. We don't care about this. And and they had the same kind of thing going on, like punk rock, like how punk rock in those days had fanzines. They had the Iron Maiden Club and they were responsible yeah, for, exactly. yeah sending out newsletters and blah and so on and so forth. Yes, exactly, exactly. So that was the number one thing about them. Uh, the number two thing that we, uh, you know, that we have to point out about Maiden was um, um, for, from that era was like how critically acclaimed they were and still are consistently. You think so? Um, well, not by like Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and certain. Oh, you know what? <laughs> Listen, man, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame—they're never going. They're not going to include bands like Black Flag or Bad Brains. You yeah, know, like yeah. these kind of. Yeah, they're not really. Yeah. maybe not a good one yeah. to take. But yeah, I know you. Yeah. You know, they're going to include you know questionable bands, and I'm not going to mention any names, but they will include questionable bands into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. But what I mean is uh, that if you look at because you have to compare apples to apples and oranges to oranges. And if you look at um, metal publications or metal websites dedicated to metal music in those, in those kind of venues, they've been critical darling. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I'm not that familiar with those. So yeah. Uh, Cause on my research, it's like every single time, like, you know, Top ten album for the year. Top ten albums for the year for a lot of uh, for a lot of publications. Whenever their release dates came out, um, not only that they were included in like you know uh, critical acclaim with uh, you know Kerrang magazine, Hip Parader, all just because they were they were a musicians band. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, definitely that's without goes without saying. Right. Yeah. So if you're a music nerd or a music geek you would love and you were also a metal fan you automatically love iron maiden and that may be a presumptuous statement but um i'm pretty sure that 80 to 90 percent of them do absolutely so yeah they were they that's where they came from that they came from this kind of place where you know like they were all word of mouth they're you know uh, they had critical acclaim that uh, and again you know just because you're critically acclaimed doesn't mean that you're popular that's that's a key thing like it's uh their their trajectory is very similar to say like a band like pixies or a band like you know sonic youth that they it was all word of mouth no radio play and all critical mm. acclaim yeah and you know the funny thing is the the one grammy they won they didn't show up for yeah, <laughs> they didn't <laughs> 2011 is like best rock performance made in oh i guess they're not here <laughs> yeah and i'm pretty sure they're like well we've been nominated we've never won so we're not showing up yeah i actually saw that video today because i thought oh what are they going to say but they never they weren't there so. <laughs> <laughs> so um one more thing i want to do add and i think you might find this uh maybe i i think you might provide some insight as well and then we'll jump right into the album review um did you ever notice Iron Maiden's um, influence on a lot of uh, music from 80s and 90s video games? No, no. This is interesting. Yeah, yeah uh, it's something to really check out. Um, I, You know what? The only game that comes on top of my head 
is a very popular game in the fighting series. It's a fighting series, Guilty Gear. And it's all metal music. And um, if you get a chance to check that series out and listen to the music, it's uh, definitely there. And because, you know, like at the time, especially with like 8-bit machines and 16-bit machines, they didn't have, you know, the sonic power that, uh, say, the ladder machines had. Um, But you can tell that they were using synthesizers to create those amazing guitar solos. Yeah, no, I was aware they used metal, like in Doom, I think it's quite well known. Mm -hmm. And some other racing games, they use metal. But uh, yeah, that's interesting. I didn't know about the Maiden angle. For that. Yeah, they were uh they were again, they were musicians band man. Like if uh if uh you know people love them because of just how well they play. Yeah, I think most of the like really good musicians I know, they say Steve Harris is the greatest bassist, you know. That's so, amazing. I mean and uh it seems to be uh you know a lot of people saying that, not just uh, one or two. So uh but uh yeah, in saying that, should we get yeah. into the album? Sure, stuff? sure, sure. Um, so the first song was Moonchild. Mm-hmm. Uh, this we're looking at seven 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 track one Moonchild. Um, yeah, what are your thoughts about Moonchild? So uh, the the way that song starts, right? It uh, is like those uh, I forget the string instrument, uh, the lute. So from the Middle Ages, right? And it starts like with that that string arrangement, right? Mm. And then then it moves into like a synthesizer, and then straight into like metal. Um, so as I was, you know, it's a really good addition. It was like a theatrics kind of deal with that first song and the lyrics. It's a, it's a fantasy novel, you know? Um, yeah. It's like picking up like say a game of Thrones book or, or, um, you know, um, uh, Lord of the Rings and so on and so forth. Like that kind of, uh, that kind of, um, novels and then it goes like the first thing i noticed right away is the drums the drumming is absolutely gorgeous uh Mm. your thoughts into it yeah kind of the same i think we should mention that this is a concept album so what you were saying the story line they actually had their own storyline for the album Mm -hmm. um but for me yeah i noticed that but uh for me the guitar riff and um it's one of those songs they always play live like when you see them live they include this Mm -hmm. so it has a certain feel to it you know it's fast it's um haunting if if you know if you can mm-hmm. say and uh it, it's a good kind of intro to this album actually. right and um, um but yeah i liked it as well you know i just like you i liked it yeah and so it to me is uh it's a great song great way to start an album um i remember um uh i was watching some, some of the interviews and uh tommy lee had seen the Tommy Lee from um, Motley Crue had seen the, um, yeah. you know, the drum arrangements or the drum, you know, the way the drums were arranged prior to playing. And he was just in love. He's like, are you going to play every single drum and every single cymbal? And he's like, yeah, I play everything. So that was, that was interesting to me. Yeah. So number two is uh, Infinite Dreams. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of my favorite songs of Maiden. Right. I would say uh, I kind of like the pace of right. it it's kind of slower yeah and um you know and this is probably one that probably would translate better to casual fans as well mm-hmm. yeah I, j- I just dig the song you know like nine out of ten at least for me anyway. yeah and uh, like you mentioned before like i thought it was a ballad right like it starts off like a ballad 
Yeah. yeah and yeah. then it picks up with a howl and crazy speed. Um, <laughs> you know, it's uh, gorgeous guitar solos, beautiful guitar solos. Yeah. yeah. And, um, and you know, it, it, when you listen to it, it's, um, and I mentioned this before, it's like a metal musician's band. If you know how to play metal decently, or you really love metal, listening to this song is like, wow, this is a really, uh, this is a really beautifully written song. And, uh, and I'm not, you know, this is, this is humorous and entertaining and really pretty, uh, intelligent on uh, all three of the band members who were writers in this. Uh, I remember reading some of the lyrics and it says it has like crazy existential questions. Like, tell me, why do we exist? I have. Yeah. Their lyrics, you know, smart, but, um, uh, I, I, the humor thing, I'm, I don't relate to as yeah. much. Well, <laughs> I mean, okay. Um, you look at the origins of metal. The origins of metal is Black Sabbath, right? And before that, more, but you know, Black Sabbath is kind of known as the first, one, one of the first, you know, and uh, they also had kind of uh, themes mm-hmm. like, not exactly the same, but you know, to, you know, what's an electric funeral or. Yeah. Uh, and what I mean by humorous is like, did he just go there? Did he really just go there? All right, right, right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, definitely. So definitely. for me, that was like that. You know, it caught me by surprise, right? It literally caught me by surprise okay. because I was like, "What? Yeah. Did he just what?" <laughs> and then I was like, I laughed a little, and then at the same time, I, you know, it's like, "Well, this is a he's really he challenges the audience." He's, he literally challenged the audience. He's like, listen, I'm not going to, I'm not going to make a song about like, you know, breaking yeah. up. Or, yeah. I'm just, yeah, I'm stuff. just going to tell you why do we exist? And, you know, I mean, it's, it's, <laughs> it's really, it's, uh, it's the first time I've ever heard lyrics like that. Right. Um, I think Radiohead does something like that, but they kind of twist it around and brings it back to it. So uh, in terms of that, I was like, "Whoa, this is, well, this is pretty heavy, man. This is really heavy stuff." But yes, it was. Uh, it's a great. It's a great song. I I highly encourage anybody that's a metal fan to go check it out. Yeah, me too. I mean, um, yeah, it's. Uh, it reminds me a little bit of "Hallowed Be My Be Thy mm-hmm. Name," which is which is from a different album, but it's a fantastic song and probably the best metal song according to me. But um, the next one was "Can I Play with Madness," mm-hmm. number three. And, uh, but yeah, I'd like to hear your thoughts first before I get into it. Um, so, um, Cause it's so much fun. <laughs> I'm, again, I'm, I'm stressing again that I'm not making fun of the band. I'm making, I, I, I find it humorous, like how brilliant they are. So it's, yeah, yeah. It's, it's kind of like, endearing, yeah. right? Like, oh my oh, God, wow. this is so, this is so cool. Like, I can't believe they would do this, but they did it. They did it. So it's nothing again it's nothing like i've heard before so that's where the premise where i'm coming from so again um when i can i play with madness this this sounds like an excerpt from a fantasy novel like the lyrics were because i think there's a dialogue going on right in that uh in this one between uh, a man and an old man I suppose is that how you interpreted it? Yeah, I mean, I was watching a recent interview, so it's actually a story where Infinite Dreams is, you know, the guy's having like these dreams, and then it goes into madness, which is this next mm-hmm. stage. <laughs> it's weird, it's weird. <laughs> but uh, that's how I understood it. But before that, I uh, 
I actually don't like the song at all. Really? Though, okay. To be honest with you, I never, I've never liked the song. I felt it was a little too poppy for me. Yes. You know, synthesizers and uh, you know it did well in charts, mm-hmm. and I was just like, uh, it's kind of like not a maiden song, right. really. But some people love it, though. I, I you know, that's fine. Yeah. I, you know what? I actually liked it. I thought it was a great song. Um, uh, you know, I think that uh, this was their was the, I believe this was their lead single from this album, right? Yes, yes, yeah. That's a very uh, that's a very ballsy move on their part. And the reason I say this again, it's the lyrics, uh, and uh, everything's contextual, right? Like we have to see things in contextual manner. This is nineteen eighty eight. So this is about the time when Appetite for Destruction was picking up speed. Like they were they were going from an album release that not a lot of people had heard of to getting into superstar fan, you know, stardom. Um yeah. many bands at the time, Motley Crue, even uh, Poison, Poison was starting. So when you compare of what was going on on radio at the time and what these guys just released, they're like wait, do you like they had, they did not care. They, that's what's, that's no. what's so amazing about them. They didn't care. They do. They still, yeah, don't, they care. still don't care. I saw recently. They <laughs> don't care. They don't care about trends. No. They don't care about what's on the radio. How can we make our market ourselves better or anything like they don't care. And that's the brilliant. And I yeah, love that. That's a brilliant thing. Yeah. Like I'm going to make my rules and we're going to play by my rules, not your rules. Yeah, yeah, so exactly. this is that's what uh, you know. I was like, that's I, I think uh, I can see your point where it's a more commercialized sound, and it does. But at the same time, given the fact that what was on the radio, this is like I think just adding those synthesizers and maybe whatever, making it a little more poppy. They still maintain their integrity, and to me, I'm like, when I if the if if the, if they were trying to get on the radio. And trying, you know, this is the weakest attempt at getting it on a radio because, you know, it's not it's not a popular sound. It's not it's not what people want to hear at that time or consumers, uh, mass consumers of music want to hear at that time. So, you know, good on them. Absolutely good on them. Good for playing by your own rules. Absolutely. Absolutely. And um, the next track was The Evil That mm-hmm. Men Do. Um, uh, this is another one of my favorite Maiden songs, and one of the first ones I really? heard actually. Okay, and uh, yeah, it was on a live album that my brother had, and he used to sing the chorus wrong because right. he was a kid. But <laughs> so it's like, whenever I hear that song, I can hear him singing the chorus in my ears too. So right. it's a nice little uh, nostalgia, personal connection there. But uh, yeah, I love I love the Evil right. Men do. Always. Um, it was my least favorite song on the album. Um, Whoa, and I'll tell okay. you why. Um, I just felt that lyrically it was the weakest. You know, like the last two songs, they were filled with a lot of allegory. And, you know, this was like a short version, a shorter version, because it's also the shortest song on the album. I think it's only four minutes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I think you're right. It's not yeah. That long. yeah. So um, I don't it just uh, to me, it just feels like a filler song in the album. Um, uh, wow. uh, OK, it's actually one of their. Uh... There's another one they always right. play live. It's quite, tough. and I get it. I do get it. Like it's in that sense, um, because I think it was the repetition of the evil that men do. Why do the young die? And why the evil that men? Do. I think that's the lyrics, right, or something along the lines of that. Uh, no, that's 
Yeah, that's only the good day young oh, okay, the last yeah. song. But yeah, to the similar the yeah. similarity, yeah. And so uh, the evil that men do, they keep repeating that as the chorus, and uh, that's true. right. That's so true. I just felt like the, lyrically, the other two songs were stronger, and they were more mm-hmm, epic. Mm-hmm. And there's the allegory and yeah, all yeah. this, uh, you know, like fantastic. Um, you know, like like if you're if you're uh, if you're a fan of literature, if you really enjoy literature, um, then those two songs are beautifully written. As opposed to that, and I'm not saying that it's a terrible song. I'm just saying that it was sounded like the weakest song on the album, and that's, you know, it's fairly subjective opinion. No, no, that's cool. That's cool. That's right? your opinion. That's, that's mm-hmm. perfectly fine. Yeah, yeah. And uh, the next song is one of the big ones, Seventh Son of a right. Seventh Son. Um, so, um, starting this song off, uh, it's absolutely epic. Um, I like, uh, like you know, it. It sounds like a Middle Ages sonnet of heroes, right? Well, or villains. Yes, yeah, because song. there was a conflict going on, right? Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. This is like Lord of the Rings, Game yeah. of Thrones, that kind of. Yeah, vibe, yeah. You know? And we're right, you know, we're and you're and you're an audience member, and you're listening to it. You're gonna, you know, see where the seventh son goes and what happens. Like it's it's um. In that sense, it's epic. It's a, it's a beautifully crafted song. Um, uh, the first thing, I, you know, it to me, it's it's so beautifully done that it doesn't even sound like a metal song. It sounds like a metal orchestra, right? Yeah, and uh, I think uh, Bruce Dickinson's always been cited as having kind of like an operatic yes. quality in metal. You know, he's one of the best vocalists right, uh, right. in metal of all, of all times. So yeah. Yeah, it goes well uh, with this song, you know, especially. Yeah, and it goes perfectly well. And you know, a funny thing that you mentioned that he was one considered one of the best vocalists. Uh, when I and I and I had written this down in my notes, I said, well, "Let's take a minute and talk about Bruce Dickinson's voice. What a freaking amazing singer, man!" It's not even a joke, like you know, seriously. <laughs> you know, yeah. uh, again, purely, you know, purely from like ability to sing. Uh, metal songs, right? Um, I like him better than Axl Rose, right? And uh, Ooh, and not not wow. okay. Look yeah. again, not a slight at Axl Rose. It's just um, it's just uh, when you th- the first thing that I think about when it comes to metal is somebody that sounds like Bruce Dickinson. I like him. yeah yeah yeah. They really they really inspired a lot mm-hmm. of bands. I think you know in the yep. U.S. as well. Um, and that's well known, but uh, yeah, no, I, I agree. Technically, his voice is just—it's uh, unparalleled. Yeah. And uh, you know, uh, like you can compare, like listen to like these songs, Seven Son of the Seven Son. And I was reading some of the interviews. There is points in Seven Son of the Seven Son where Bruce Dickinson, like it's an impossible song to sing, and even Bruce Dickinson had a tough time keeping up with that song. Um. And again, nothing taking, not taking anything away from Axel Rose because he's really good. He's really good at what he does. Even Sebastian Bach, he's really good at what he does. These three guys are just phenomenal singers. And um, I just think that there are points in it, in these, uh, uh, in in this album where I'm like, man, he's just, uh, I don't know, like there's some, there's some stuff that, Wow, it's he kind of left Axel behind, 
You know, like it's, I just feel that there's certain things, there's certain, it's, I think something that you feel within, right. As opposed to their vocal range, there's something within that Bruce Dickinson does. I'm like, well, that's really good. I, I don't know if Axel could do that. And I think, hmm. and that, yeah, that's it. What Bruce Dickinson can do. I don't think Axel can do. And what Axel can do, I think Bruce Dickinson can do. Yeah, I think technically he's better than mm-hmm. Axel, but um, I mean personally, I just like Axel right. the way he sounds. But uh, something to think about. Yeah. Something to think about. I've never really you thought know, of it. That and much. again, you know, and it's for me to make this decision was very difficult because there's so much I feel about Guns and Roses. Like that's the band I grew up with. I'll put it on whenever I'm studying, yeah. working, whatever. I'll put it on. I'll put on those November rains. I'll put on that estranged. You know, so there's that feeling and it's hard to separate that feeling from just being purely objective. Yeah. Subjective and yeah. Objective. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. Right. Cool. Um, yeah. I pr- pretty much the same as you. I quite enjoyed it. You know, eight or nine out of 10, same mm-hmm. thing as you really. And, uh, the next song was the prophecy. Um, one mm-hmm. of my favorite songs in this album. Um, I just dig it. There's no real reason. I just uh, thought it was a nice flow to it and it sounded good. Um, thoughts? So the first thing that came to my mind was bring balance to the force. <laughs> Do you watch no, Star Wars? No, no, Are you no, into no, Star Wars? No, no, no. I've never no, maybe no. seen the movies once, maybe, and I didn't really care. <laughs> yeah, me too, a couple times. <laughs> Um, okay, uh, and that's the first thing I thought. Again, this was like I haven't heard music like this before, right? So this is this is this is uh, strange and fun for me. Uh, these lyrics are just so beautifully written, right? Like uh, no one believed in my true prophecy, right? Uh, uh, this is one of the lyrics, like this. This is bonkers, genius, brave, and ridiculous at the same time. Like nobody can do that. <laughs> this is uh, I'm really <laughs> enjoying this man because uh, obviously I've, I've been listening to Maiden since I was right, a right, kid, right. right? So yeah, for you as a brand new kind of yeah. uh, uh, listener, it's really it's really fun. This <laughs> and, 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 and you know, I, uh, and I, you know, I'm I. I I really do think these guys are geniuses. These guys are very intelligent. They're very, very intelligent. Yes, yes. Um, and it would appeal to someone that enjoys literature, you know, someone that enjoys this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, especially if you're coming from a comic book, um, um, fantasy novels, um, science fiction, that kind of background, this will appeal yeah. more to you. Yeah, that's why uh, they say it's the yeah. nerds band, right? Like a lot of um, <laughs> nerds have like Iron mm-hmm. Maiden shirts, you know, in school and stuff like that. And even afterwards, but uh, absolutely, yeah. It's, uh, yeah, it's, there's nothing else like it, man, really. Like I haven't found any band no, to compare. No, they're with. so unique. They're so unique in their sound. And, uh, they, you know, like even with Bruce Dickinson, such an interesting guy, like he's a yeah. pilot. He, um 
he pilots the the tour plane for yeah. Iron Maiden, and there's a documentary about it called Flight Six Six Six. It's hilarious, you know. He's like <laughs> piloting the plane, then they're going. To, then yeah. he plays a gig, and then he pilots the plane again to the next yeah. destination. <laughs> it's it's yeah. just hilarious. It's like you know the plane has Iron Maiden written on it. It's like what? Yeah, the hell? <laughs> it's they are they are a very enigmatic group of guys, right? Uh, Bruce, I remember was a fencer. Yeah, I think he was. He, was, he did quite mm-hmm. well. I don't know if he did for England. He went quite um, far yeah. in that, actually. So already, these guys are. You know, first and foremost, I don't know a lot of fencers in my life. Uh, <laughs> no, Dave Harris was a footballer. I think he almost yeah. made it. Oh to wow, pros. wow. So that that given that uh, moving on, like um, that in itself, it's it's a. It's a strange, I don't want to say it's a strange hobby to have. It's a unique hobby to have. And it's um, it's an individual that's like uh, given a lot of thought. And this is what I want to invest my time in. Yeah. Yeah. And that's another thing I like is the individual, yeah. the word individual. They're very, you know, they're exactly. individuals. That's inspiring, certainly, to a way to live, too. Like, I kind of right. believe in that myself that, you know, not go along with the trend and and most people in family too. So um, I kind of relate to that. And uh, that's pretty cool. Um, next song was, uh, should we get into yes. the clairvoyant? Uh, your thoughts first? <laughs> uh, so, um, yeah, of course, fun, of course, the funny <laughs> stuff. Uh, so I, again, um, this is, uh, I, I felt this was like, uh, uh, if you had passively ever listened to any Maiden song, uh, I felt the clairvoyant was Maiden at its purest. If somebody said to me, hey, can you tell me what Maiden is about? I'd give them the clairvoyant. I'm like, listen to this song. This is your introduction into Maiden. Right? Um, yeah. Right? I it's, agree uh, it's exactly what you want Maiden to be. The guitar solos were oh, superb. Superb. Um, again, with the novel type lyrics that as soon as you're born, you're dying. So, you know, there's like that... Uh, the is parallels that Buddhist philosophy of, um, you know, um, to, to, to desire is to suffer exist to, you know, so on and so forth. So, um, uh, again, uh, I've never heard lyrics like that before. So those are hilarious lyrics, but also very, um, poignant and also very, um, deep, right? I suppose that when the band writes these, because as the lyrics are, they're they're mostly written by uh, three primary members, correct? Uh, yeah, it's mainly Steve Harris is mm-hmm. also the producer, um, mainly his stuff, and he kind of bounces off other people. And from an interview I heard, it was kind of he was interested in clairvoyancy um, as a subject, and he decided to make a whole concept mm-hmm. album, and then they kind of made this story, you know. Um, where a guy, he has a dream, and then he goes into madness. You know, it's the whole little story that ends with the with the last track. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, it was deliberate. This is actually my favorite right. song on the album, too. Uh, I gave it a 10 out of 10. And you pretty much summed it up. Like, if I was to show someone what Iron Maiden is, this is one of the songs, along with Hallowed Be My right. Name, uh, which I would send them. So um, agree with everything you said. Yeah, brilliant song. Yeah. Um. Anything? Uh, uh, I think this was their first single off of it too, right? It was like a live recording, or am I incorrect? I, I I can't remember. I can't quite remember. I actually don't know. I know about "Can I Play with Madness" as a single. Mm-hmm. 
I think you're right. I mean, this is another one which, again, they always play live. Right. And uh, makes it to their greatest hits, etc. So I'm sure it was a single at some point. Yeah. And uh, you know what? I'd uh, as um, if uh, if we have any listeners that are interested in listening to Iron Maiden, um, I would probably tell them to stay clear from their greatest hits packages and just concentrate on the albums themselves because the albums are just gorgeous. They're beautiful. Like it, you will really enjoy listening to the yeah. albums. Yeah. Because after- yeah, I think especially the eighties albums. But- yeah. Because Emma Thurso was the first guy I ever met that only listened to albums. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure there's other people that. <laughs> no, no, you were the first guy. You yeah, were, you were literally like... the first guy I ever met that's like, this guy didn't hit listen to hits. He just went straight into the entire album. And because, um, you know, you, you gave me a synopsis of, I'm sorry, what were you saying? I just love attention to detail yeah. with anything. So I just apply the same thing to music. So, yeah. Yeah. So uh, the you were the first person that came and told me about Ani Kamozi's entire album. So you know, second album. <laughs> so you know, yeah. that I think that was like the precursor to this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Cool. Uh, so the last track was only the good die young. Okay. Yeah, it was pretty cool. Like it was one of my favorites as well. Mm-hmm. Like again, another one that's kind of. That I listen to again and again. Simple song, but uh, yeah, you know, kind of a companion to "Evil That Men Do." So I don't know if you felt the same way about this than that um, in comparison to "Evil That Men Do," or you saw it as a different kind of song. I, uh, you know, but uh, yeah, um, I did see it as the same, uh, similar vein. But um, the thing that stood out to me was that uh, the song ended the same way as the entire album started. Uh, seven sons, seven diddly sins, seven, you know, when he goes into that, mm. that uh, little, um, I don't know how to quite say it, but it was, uh, 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 he sings them. I know yeah, you yeah. yeah. Seven deadly sins. Uh, yeah, yeah, like that. So it starts off, so it was done in a true concept album sense, right? So, and that's, uh, that's why I liked it. It's, uh, it's, it was done very well. It's beautiful. Uh, from beginning to end, uh, you see the whole picture. Um, uh, the song itself, I wouldn't say was one of their best songs. I would probably put it right there with, you know, slightly better than uh, that evil men do. Um, but um, mm. again, you know, it's a, it's not a diss towards the evil that men do because if you look at that song, what was on radio at that time with an exception of maybe guns and roses. And I think Metallica had also released and justice for all and a few other bands that were really good at what they did. This was still a lot better than a lot of those songs that were on the radio. So it's not a, for a masterful band, their worst song is better than a lot of uh, entire bands catalogs. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. This shows how good they are. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, even to say that this is a weak point is kind of a mute point. Yeah, well said. Um, I guess uh, that concludes the album. But did it, uh, I guess overall, did it kind of encourage you to maybe check out some of the other albums in the future? Yes. Or um, you're good for now? No, no, no. Um, it did encourage me to check out the other albums. Um, um, I, so prior to this, I was watching, because I didn't know anything about Maiden. So I I knew that they came from that scene of... British new wave of heavy metal. And yeah. um, they did come from that scene. So that's, imp- you know, 
and they influenced many, many bands. And probably the biggest influence that they, uh, I guess the the bands that got influenced the most and has a steady, steady success. But I wouldn't say by emulating their sound, but uh, kind of uh, taking the spirit of their sound was Metallica. And um, they're high, they were influenced. They uh, Metallica was highly influenced by uh, these guys, and um, so I am. I am going to definitely check out their their sound, uh, their albums, their prior albums. Especially, I want to get into Power Slave. I want to really because that seems to be their you know what a lot of Maiden fans really enjoy. Hmm. I, I would go for Number of the Beast. Personally. Okay, yeah, um, I've heard of that as well, but. It's- yeah, it's all within the same um, era, mm-hmm. right? So from eighty-two to say ninety, right? right? That's that kind of the best albums. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, just uh, just have a listen whenever you can, and yeah, uh, who knows? Maybe we can do like another podcast. I think you know what? Yeah, I think it, it would be interesting to go back and um, you know, kind of do another podcast on um, on the maiden uh, on the entire maiden catalog. Uh, I came out as a I, I'm not gonna say I'm a fan because to say I because it's a loaded statement, right? Like if you say like, oh, I'm a fan of Maiden, right? Then you know somebody can question, uh, uh, you know, what was your favorite album from the '90s or oh, so I'm not, you know, I, I I don't I do enjoy their music, so let's just say that that I do enjoy their music. Um, I think to be to get into being a maiden fan um is uh I don't want to say militant but it is a very uh it's a very definitive statement to make right Yeah you need to have a commitment Yes exactly <laughs> you have to have a commitment no other band requires that and uh, and uh you know it's funny like uh, you know the way you've gotten a maiden I was actually you're not going to believe this but I watched uh, Lemmy, right? The documentary about Lemmy from Motorhead. Yeah, yeah. And I was in, really into Motorhead in my early 20s. I don't know if I ever told you. Okay. But, um, I was kind of into them. But I've been kind of looking at Slayer, Anthrax, and Megadeth and early Metallica. Um, I haven't heard a lot of stuff, but that's my next right. listening, um, mm-hmm. you know, uh, uh, journey. Right. You know, like those are the, I, I'm like, oh, I need to check out what these, because they were inspired by Motorhead, right? So, right. And Maiden and uh, etc. So I want to see what they have because I've heard a lot of Metallica, but not so much the others. Yeah, and that's uh, that should be very. Uh, yeah, that'll be interesting. I'd like to hear uh, uh, your uh, synopsis on that eventually. Um, this, the other thing I think we, it's very important to point out is like how Maiden never sold out. Yeah, it remind me of Pearl Jam in that sense. Mm-hmm. And if you were to parallel bands like say Metallica. And nothing, and I'm not knocking Metallica because there will come a point in your life where you will have to say like, okay, we're at this stage now, um, and we want to get bigger. We don't want to be Iron Maiden. We want to be bigger than Maiden. And yeah, basically the usual art versus commerce. Yeah. And uh, Maiden always said, nah, I think we're. They were, you know, they probably could have made more money. Over the long run, definitely. Um, by even having videos, even you know, doing anything remotely close to that, and um, they didn't. They're like, "No, nah, we're good. We're just going to do this." Oh, 
But the funny thing is, they regardless, they still sold over 100 million. Oh, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I know they have a lot of al- albums. They do have a lot of albums, mm-hmm. but still, that's quite impressive. Yeah. Um, but for them, it's really their tours, which seem to be the uh, the kind of crux of their uh, commerce. Right. And the reason they kind of uh, have stood this test of time is because the tours keep selling out. Because mm-hmm. like you said, the fans are just committed. Yeah. Right? And they seem to have a worldwide appeal. Like one thing I forgot to mention was even this album we're talking about sold better in Canada than it did in US and UK, yeah. which boggles my mind. Like I didn't know there was this Canadian... Um, in the eighties, yeah. I mean, in the eighties, they sold really well in Canada. Yeah. I was like, "What?" But so uh, there's two reasonings behind that, right? Um, and I will yeah. point out that they were they just felt. on tour last summer. Um, wow. Yeah. Okay. So remember, uh, and if you and I, if you recall correctly, that during that time, like especially in the eighties, they had these insane 180 dates that they would do concerts in. Yeah. Insane, insane. Yes, yeah. Like, uh, I don't know how Bruce Dickinson can still sing, but he sings. And and it was, and they would go tour in these small towns in Canada, very small towns and small venues and small places. The thing is that Canadian fans, there's only three piece, there's only three type of live entertainment that will tour that part of Canada. Number one is uh, is a Canadian band by the name of the Tragically Hip, uh, whose uh, lead singer unfortunately passed away, I believe, almost three four years ago. Um, um, they're they were legendary in that sense that um, they were they had uh, you know a strong following built on the basis of word of mouth. So it was them. Mm. Uh, professional wrestling and maiden. That's it. Wow. So if you lived in a small town, you could either go watch your, you know, local hockey league who play professional wrestling, maiden whenever they come in town, and the tragically hip. Okay, that makes a little so, more sense. Yeah, that's so, interesting. That sounds like a documentary. Yeah. <laughs> so we once Canadian fans are very appreciative. If you come to our town. We're fans of yours for life. Ah, okay. Yeah. Hence the the, the triple platinum. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. And even wrestling, professional wow. wrestling, it's unbelievable like how popular it is in Canada. So that's yeah, that's what they they've maintained that. You know, they've they've they 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 know and it's very interesting because they as I mentioned earlier, they don't do fan service. What they do is build a fan base. And then say, okay, we're going to go somewhere. If you want to join us, come with us. If you don't, whatever. Mm. And yeah, it's, yeah. yeah and it. It, they just did it. And the phenomenal thing was no radio play. Radio was like, we're not going to play 10 minute epic songs about, you know, <laughs> right. witches or seven, yeah, son, or yeah. seven <laughs> son or whatever. Yeah. yeah. You know, when poison's playing girls, girls, girls. Right, right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Especially in the 80s. Yeah, it crazy. was crazy. It was absolutely crazy. Like, you you don't want to do that. You, you're, you're, it's almost, they committed career suicide and came out on top. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. Isn't it? amazing. Yeah, amazing. So it's, it's a, I think, with Maiden, it's more of the myth than the band. Yeah. At least that's my takeaway from a person that just started listening to them. And they know the cultural rel- relevance of Maiden. 
Wow. Yeah. So I had a I had a good time. I really had a good time listening to this. This was a lot of fun. Uh, the uh, the songs, the albums, right they were just fantastic. Everything was well done. Really enjoyed. You know, the last few podcasts that we've done, I've really enjoyed listening to the music. So that was a lot of fun. No, definitely. And for me too. Like uh, it's been a while since I listened to Maiden, so it was fun kind of revisiting them mm-hmm. again. Um, you know, as I said, almost a decade where I really used to listen to them quite a lot. Mm-hmm. So. Um, it's been covering some new things for me too. So, uh, yeah, I'm pretty happy we did this. And, uh, yeah, it was a lot of fun as usual. Always, always, always fun. And, oh, yeah, all right. so we'll tell the audience that, you know, hopefully we'll be back soon again. And um, we'll probably uh, d- be more consistent, hopefully, with our with our episodes and uh, try to find new music and get our audience to, uh, you know, listen to some more stuff. Absolutely, man. And uh, the journey will continue. This has been iRock City with the Rocket and K9. And uh, we're out.